to this message from Valley Bible Fellowship. It is our sincere prayer that you're richly blessed through the ministry of the Word. For more information about VBF, visit our website at vbf.org. Now, here's Pastor Ron Bietti. Good morning. Merry Christmas to everyone. Are you in the mood? You're there, huh? What a wonderful time of the year. A little confusing, right? mistletoe and deer and Santa and Jesus and angels. I think we ought to have one holiday in the year maybe and just, you know, what we could do is bring the Easter bunny at Christmas with Santa. They could pose with their arms around each other. We could hide the kids' Christmas presents. They could look for them. And then have a Thanksgiving turkey. No. I mean, it's getting about that convoluted, isn't it? You just don't know. So today, I think we have a great message. And not just a message, we're going to give you a day. In the next 45 minutes or an hour, you're going to be touched some way or the other. But I want to give you a short message today. You're going to see a miracle because I'm going to be short. But I want to talk to you about the, no, you didn't have to say, yeah, you know, that's (laughs) rubbing salt in the wound. The reason for the season. The reason for the season. Father God, bless this, anoint it in Jesus' name. Amen. We welcome everybody. Join us online and uh, we're already out in Channel 17, and we're in Vegas, and, and we're, you know, everywhere. We're Northwest. We love you, Northwest. We don't get to see you very often. We love you over there in Tehachapi. And so today, I want us to think about how to simplify Christmas and make it more meaningful. Again, it's so easy to get sucked into all this stress. I mean, I go into Target or Walmart, and I see people stressing out, people buying presents that look like they don't have the money to be buying what they're buying. So I'll try to be brief, but what I want to do today is I want to start out by drawing your attention to five of the main characters in the first Christmas story and the kind of people they represent. First of all, look at the shepherds real quickly, the shepherds. They represented those who are chosen by God to be a testimony to the world. I mean, think about it. These shepherds are out in the fields, and they're just doing their daily thing. They're doing what they do every day, every night. They're just, they're just there, and all of a sudden, a God moment happens. And it's crazy. We read about it. Look at Luke chapter 2, 8 through 14. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today, today, This day, mark it down in history, this day in the city of David, there has been born for you someone who's going to save your life. Remember that t-shirt I wore? Jesus saved my life, and he's Christ the Lord. There will be a sign for you, a sign and a testing miracle to let you know what I'm saying is true. You'll find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, now I want you to know the Hallmark cards have this wrong. Here's the real thing it says. They were saying, the angels, glory to God in the highest, and on earth let there be peace among men with whom he is pleased. Hallmark just says peace among men. No, no. Among the men whom with he is pleased. Now, listen to me. This is crazy. We were talking the other day, some of the staff. If we could go back in a time tunnel and be present at any one event in the first Christmas story, which one would it be? This would be mine right here. This had to be mind-boggling. I mean, I like fireworks shows. This, this was something else. I took some of the guys to the Beatles uh, show in Vegas uh, couple years ago, and they said, Pastor, there's so much stuff going on at one time, you don't know what to look at. That, that, that was the case here. I mean, 
This had to be breathtaking. Now, again, if you've been at Valley at any length of time, you've heard me say this because it's a firm belief of mine that Jesus was born in the shepherd's field at a place called Migdal Eater. Migdal Eater's in the Bible. You can read about in Genesis 35, 21. It was a special place that the shepherds had. And Migdal Eater itself was a tower. And underneath the tower, they would birth baby sheep. But the tower, also on top, you could look for, uh, you know, wolves or, or bad people coming. You, you had the top of the tower, you could, would be a watchtower, a lookout. And beneath, they would, they would birth babies, but baby sheep, but baby sheep for a special reason. We know that Migdal Eater wasn't very far from Jerusalem. And we're told by many that at Migdal Eater, all they did was raise sheep to be used for sacrifice in the temple. And this makes perfect sense, perfect sense, that Jesus would be born in such a place. Because Jesus was the lamb that was going to be sacrificed for men's sins. So for him to be born among sheep that were being raised to be sacrifices for people's sins would be perfect. Now, they wrapped those sheep, as soon as they were born, they'd wrap them in swaddling clothes. They'd put uh, clothes around them and put uh, wraps around them to keep them from being marred because they had to be a perfect sacrifice without spot or blemish. They didn't want them to get bit or cut, and that's what they'd do. So here's the thing. The shepherds, they had a testimony to share with the world. I mean, when Jesus was finally crucified and and, and laid in the tomb and resurrected three days later, these shepherds had the piece of the missing puzzle, a piece that was missing. They, they said, do you get it? Do you get it? He was meant to die on a cross. He was meant to be sacrificed. This was no accident. This happened according to Scripture. Look at where he was born at. Now, in the same way, many of you are just doing life, and all of a sudden, a God moment happened. Some of you were saved miraculously from a drug history. You were a drug addict. Some of you were saved in prison because some evangelist came in and gave a sermon or somebody handed you a, a book called Conspiracy of Silence. You won't believe how many people in jail have come up to me and said, I was saved in jail by your book. We had a guy out here running a stand here on our last holiday, and he wanted to meet me because he said, I was saved in jail by your book, Conspiracy of Silence. And... Some of you were saved from alcoholism. Some of you had a near-death experience and actually went to heaven and back. Some of you have prison stories and foster care stories. You've been saved to be a testimony to the world. Don't get tired of telling your story. Your story's powerful. It proves that God is real. Now, next, secondly, you have Herod. Herod represents people who are threatened by the influence that Jesus can create. Most of you know that have been with us any length of time, that for a decade, we had one of the best outreach ministries we've ever had. We had a booth in the porn convention in Vegas. We actually have members of the Vegas church that were saved at the porn convention. No, we didn't go in there to look at naked women and all that. We didn't. We didn't even walk around. We went to our booth. We had all these books on, on how Christ has saved you with purpose, how you can get off pornography, how God has made marriage sacred. How to raise, I mean, we had this big booth, and we were very popular in there. Some of you look at your spouse right now and say, did you really lead me to this church? I cannot believe it. Did we, did you really? Hey, we don't, just, we don't just play church. We walk the talk. We walk the talk. I will tell you now, there will be hundreds and hundreds of people in heaven because of that porn convention, because we ministered in there. And we, just select group, just four of us would go, and we would pray and everything. But I remember this happened almost every year, four or five times. A guy would be walking by with his girlfriend or wife, and she'd be drawn into our booth going, oh, what is this? Oh, what is this? And he would jerk her and pull her away. One of our guys went to the bathroom and said, a guy was in there, and he said, man, I came here to get my life all jazzed up. I want my spouse to get jazzed up, man. I'm going to increase our intimacy life. And she saw that stupid religious booth, and now she wants to go home. Says so she doesn't feel right being here. Praise God. But see, those men thought wrongly 
that the influence of God in their life would ruin their relationship when in fact it'll make it 10 times better. You want to read something X-rated? Read, read the Song of Solomon. That's X-rated, man. You'll blush when you read that book. God said, I've given you spouses for that reason. And so, lo and behold, I'm telling you, we need to, I lost my place here for a second, we're created, we're brought into the family of God to show the world how blessed it can be, the life can be when you walk with God. Now, some of you here today, you, maybe your spouse drug you here, maybe you came to appease the children, maybe you came for whatever reason, maybe your kids are going to sing at the end, but some of you are like Herod. You're really threatened by the influence of Christ in your life. You're threatened. You're thinking, man, if I give my life to Christ, because I thought this way for us born again, if I give my life to Christ, I'll lose my cool, what little cool I had. I'll lose my reputation. I'll lose my friends. And so Christ's being Lord of your life threatens you. Let me tell you something. There is nothing that you will lose when you give your life to Christ that He will not give you something back better many times over. Many times over. Now, uh, years ago, I was just a young guy. This older pastor came down, and I said, Ron, where's your church going? And I said, what do you mean? Where are you headed to? What's your vision 10 years down the road? I said, we really don't have one. He said, can I tell you something? Can you handle this? I said, what? He said, your church reminds me of a ship in the harbor. And you got all the anchors down, and man, your people are coming on, on board, and you're, you're playing shuffleboard with them. You have entertainment over here. You got the comedians out here, and you got this going and that going. And you're doing all this fun stuff, and you're giving them food and everything, and they're just loving it. And they come on and off the ship. He said, but I think God wants to say something in the middle of that picture to you, and that is pull the anchors up and set, set, set your ship for a destination. Where are you going in 10 years? You got to think about it. And I said, but if we pull the anchor up and stop doing what we're doing, entertaining people and having fun and all that, then you know what? A lot of people are going to get off the ship. They're not going to want to be on here. He said, but look at the shore. Once you pull the anchors up and start heading somewhere, look at the thousands waiting to get on. But they're not going to get on until you're going somewhere. And that's the same thing here. You say, but I'll lose my cool. I'll lose my friends if I give my life to the Lord. You're threatened by His influence. I want you to know that when you give up your friends, there's a whole lot more standing out there that want to become your friends once you give your life to Christ. A whole lot more. And there's a new cool out there. Don't be threatened by the presence of Jesus like Herod was. And then next, Joseph and Mary. Jo those are the key people in our story. But what, what does the life of Joseph and Mary represent to us today? I think these are representative of people who have been called to pay the price to bring Jesus into the world. Now, I told you, and we went over this a few weeks ago, it wasn't easy for Joseph and Mary. I mean, you know, I told you, and I'll relive this with you again. Mary had to stay secluded for a while. She didn't even want to show her face. I mean, people were making fun of her. They had to be going, look, here comes the mother of the Messiah. Remember, she was, you know, she has a baby and conceived by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I bet she wasn't messing around. What do you think? Yeah, that, that Joseph is a fool to stay with her. And then Joseph would go in the marketplace. They go, hey, here comes that fool. He's buying this. Even when they had baby Jesus, look, oh, there's a little Messiah. Hi, little Messiah. I mean, they were paying a price for this. And that is kind of like some of us here today. It's not always an easy road, the road that God calls us to walk down. For example, let me give you a couple random illustrations Let's say that you're a career person. Your career's going and blowing, but God's been convicting you and speaking to you about putting your career on hold and staying home with the kids until they're raised. Whoa, that's a price to be paid. But if you want to raise godly kids, you can't always raise them by putting them in daycare center. You need to be there for those, those first years. You need to be there as they're growing up. I remember my mom, she only worked four hours a day, and that's while I was in school. When I came home, she was home. And look, today I'm a pastor, I'm in ministry. And so that's sacrificing for the Lord. 
And when I say that, I always think of everybody. And there are some women that you've been left single and and you don't have a husband to help you make a living. You have to work. You have to put your kids in daycare center. Well, for you, God will give you grace. He'll grace you out, so don't feel bad. But God will not always grace us in the areas of irresponsibility. If you're being irresponsible and you could stay home, you need to do that. Maybe you've been, you've been given a transfer to another city and a job raise and more money, but in your heart you know that your kids are now rooted at VBF and, and they're in a youth group and they're doing well and, and your wife's family's here, so you need to sacrifice for the kingdom of God. I think you get the idea. See, we're not supposed to live just in the present. As Christians, we need to reprogram our minds to think in the future. What's it going to be like down the road? Wisdom. I've always said we've got to live by wisdom. Look at the book of Proverbs. Wisdom, I, I've compared very often to playing a game of chess. You make a move now, looking down at five moves later. You don't make it for now, but you're looking at five moves later, and you're making a move now that will help you down the road. There's nothing important more than having godly kids. Nothing in this life. You've got to pay the price you need to pay to make sure that happens. Uh, there's nothing more important than doing God's will. We were talking again the other day, and we, have a, we made a video that we might play for you Christmas Eve night, but again, this is redundant, but I don't bring new stuff on Christmas Sunday. This is just a time to talk around the fireplace, remind ourselves of old things. And next week, we'll get back into the Bible study and get going again, but I, I just told the guys again the other day, I, I can't quit thinking about how Mary had to feel. She paid the price to bring Jesus into the world. She paid the price. And she watched our, her son do miracles and, and watched him receive a little bit of glory. And, and then all of a sudden he was crucified and, and then he died and they put him in a tomb and he rose after the third day. And now she's in the room on the day of Pentecost. Moms, think about this. Your little baby you carried in your womb has grown up. He's been crucified and killed, and now you're in the upper room waiting for him to come back and come and live inside of you. She's the only woman who ever carried her child twice. The same Jesus, her son, came back on the day of Pentecost and came back and lived inside of her again. And she was speaking with him as he walked. I mean, that's a crazy story. It gives me chill bumps to even think about it. Absolutely crazy that that would happen. So, the fourth one, let's look at the fourth person, is the innkeeper. And this represents people who are too busy with life to be able to find room for Jesus. Busyness is a huge enemy of the kingdom lifestyle. Today, there are many people down in hell probably in an eternity of darkness. They're down there. If we took a microphone down there today, they'd say, man, I meant to make time for the Lord. I meant to make time to serve Him. I meant to. I had, I had you know, good intentions, but they never came about. We're too busy to be in a small group, some of us are. We're too busy to do devotions every morning. We're too busy to spend quiet time with God. There's another story in the Bible where Jesus went to visit Mary and Martha one day. And Martha was in the kitchen getting everything prepared for lunch, and she was busy cleaning dishes and, and cooking and all this stuff. Martha was. And then Mary, she was in the living room at the feet of Jesus just listening to him. And Martha gets kind of angry and comes out and says, Jesus, you know, can you tell her to come and help me? This isn't fair. I'm doing all the work, getting everything ready, and she's just sitting here with you. Jesus, get on to her. And Jesus looked at Martha and said, Martha, Martha, only a few things are necessary, really only one. And Mary has chosen the best part. See, it's time for some of us to reevaluate our lives. Some of us, we're doing too many things. We've got too many stones in the fire. We're busy, busy, busy. Don't have time for a devotional group. Don't have time for a small group. Don't have time. Don't have time. Slow down. You're only supposed to be doing the things that God's called you to do. If you do more, you'll burn out. Remember, on Judgment Day, we're going to get to heaven, and, and a lot of our work's going to be burned up, and we'll be rewarded for the ones that aren't burned up. And Jesus is going to say to us, basically, He's going to say, you know what? What did that have to do with the kingdom of God? What did that have to do with the kingdom? That was all wasted time. I'm telling you, my, my, my whole idea in this area has changed over the years. I'm not the same person I was 20 years ago. 
I'm a driven person. Any type A personalities, I'm driven. And, you know, today I'm, I'm totally different. The last three days we've had our little granddaughters with us, two years old and five years old. Three days for Christmas Sunday. Now, take me back 20 years ago, and I would say, hey, you watch them. i got to go in here and spend six hours praying over the Christmas service on Sunday. i got to get this together, man. And I would ignore the little ones, but not anymore. i go, this is more important than Christmas Sunday right now. These little ones right here. we got to make memories. My little two-year-old, I don't know why, but, but all the last three days, she's coming, Papa, you have my birthday today. I said, it's not your birthday, you silly goose. Your birthday was a month ago. Papa, it's my birthday. And she'd go over and sit down, and then Olive, my five-year-old, would say, Why she? Papa, she's saying it's her birthday again. I said, silly goose. And I kept saying silly goose, and they loved it. They would laugh and laugh. And finally, I said, you know what? You silly goose. You're saying it's your birthday because you just want cake and ice cream, right? She goes, yeah, yeah. She looked at her sister. I said, well, how about root beer floats? Does that sound better? We'll celebrate one time with root beer floats, and then don't say it's your birthday anymore, Okay. And we did, and they were happy before she left. Papa, it's my birthday. No, it isn't, silly goose. She went home and told her mom and dad, Papa called me silly goose. They loved it. And then my five-year-old, you know, there's a lot of kids that do stuff to be funny. She doesn't do stuff to be funny. She's just, that's who she is. She's the one that during last Christmas Eve took her shoe off, smelt her foot, and put her shoe back on while we were talking. And we were looking out the window, and down the road, uh, some people were jogging, and one guy had worked out with weights a lot, so it's snow up there, a foot of snow. He's got no shirt on, and he's running. I thought, man, he's proud of his body. <laughs> you know, it's cold out there. And so another guy stopped and was talking to him, and they talked a second, went on. And that, that just kind of formulated a picture in my granddaughter's mind. And we got in the car to come home. She says, Daddy, or Papa, she says, why was that guy smelling of that other guy's naked body? I said, smell. Oh, he was smelling him. I said, he wasn't smelling. He was talking to him. And we had a long talk. Then I told her about my God story because Debbie was doing devotions with him and I got in trouble because I was playing while she was doing devotions. She said, Ron, just, you, do you have something to do? Get out of the room. And so she was telling the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So the next day I challenged my, my five-year-old. I said, why were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown in the fiery furnace? She said, because they wouldn't bow to the statue. I said, good. And then I told her my God story about cancer, and she was amazed, the five-year-old. She's smart. But you know, you go back, this kind of stuff is more important than anything in the world, and you can't be too busy for that. We took pictures and everything of them out on a sled out in the yard, and we did all of that, and that's moments that you will never, ever get back. And so we have to last, and I'm almost through here because we got a long ways to go, the wise men. The wise men, they were, this is the whole title of the sermon right here. The wise men, they represented those who are looking for the second coming of Christ. They're looking for the second coming of Christ. Look at Matthew 2. It says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. After hearing the king, they went their way, and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them. The star is moving. Hello. Oh, I wish I had time to talk about walking in the Spirit. That's just the way it works. And so, We've seen this star in the east, and now it appeared before him again. And the star went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary's mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What was that star? What was that star? People are trying to figure out what was the star. Could it have been that same pillar of fire in the Old Testament that guided the Israelites through the wilderness? Remember, it moved, and when it stopped, you stopped. Oh, what a beautiful picture of walking in the Spirit. You move, it stops, you stop. It moves, you move. Oh, could have been the pillar of fire. Some people think it was just an angel. Or the, or, or the Spirit of God. In Revelation and in Hebrews and Isaiah... 
Fire is associated with angels and the spirits of God. And so maybe it was just angels leading them. Or maybe it was just an alignment of the stars. Because remember, these wise men were astrologers, not astronomers. And they'd look at the stars and line events up on the earth with, with the stars. And so maybe it was that. Who knows? Could it have been a UFO? Have you been reading? All of a sudden, the last 10 months or a year, UFOs are showing up everywhere. So much so that the government has formed a task force to start studying UFOs. They, they can't explain them. New York Post said, New York Post said that some of these UFOs have been calculated as going 43,000 miles per hour and stopping on a dime and starting again. What in the physical realm does that? What? I mean, you know, that's absolutely nuts. And the government, to say that they're studying them. It's in the New York Post. It's in all the major, it's been in all the major newspapers. This isn't something the internet made up. It's actually happening. Elijah, remember, something came down from heaven, fire swooped him up. Maybe a UFO took Elijah up. Don't take me seriously, please. I'm just, I'm just talking to you. Don't go home and say, Pastor Ron said a UFO picked Elijah up and took him to heaven. I, I'm just talking, okay? That's what some people do. All I'm saying to you right now, we got all this stuff going on. I mean, stuff that I can tie into prophecy all over the place. I mean, crazy stuff. All this stuff happened in the heavenlies. I mean, all of it going on. At the same time, and happy, look at the tornadoes and the typhoons and the hurricanes, They're everywhere, the earthquakes, everything that Jesus prophesied, it's happening. I don't know what the star was. All I know is it just, it got the wise men from where they were at to where they were supposed to go. Now, let me end, because I said it'd be brief right now. I want to end just real quickly with three PowerPoints concerning the wise men, because they, they show us the reason for the season. Now, the first one is, they were anticipating the first coming of Jesus. See, so many people in the world, they're oblivious. When, when I say the term, Jesus is coming back, some people think, oh, yeah, whatever. We've heard that in church for decades. No, you haven't heard it at a time like this, when every prophetic event is starting to happen so quickly. I'm telling you, Jesus is going to part those clouds. He's going to come back and take his church home. It's going to happen. It's go Whether you believe it or not, it's going to happen. And it's going to be the craziest event this world's ever seen. Crazy, crazy, crazy. All of a sudden, we're going to be gone. You know what? It says in Thessalonians that they're going to believe a lie. Maybe the lie is these Christians went with the UFOs. They're going to believe a lie. The UFOs, they went with these people. They started showing up all of a sudden. Now, that's where they went. They went. Who knows? But listen to me. These wise men, they were the only ones looking. Yeah, the world was caught, caught you know, unaware. The Messiah was, came the first time, and they didn't know it. I mean, think about it. They heard rumors, and all they had to do is go five miles to check it out. They didn't even bother to check it out. All the signs are here. Jesus, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, these words are going to haunt some of you. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. He's coming again. He's coming back. You better get ready. You better get ready. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. Now, these wise men were from the east. We think they were from an area called Babylon. Now, Daniel was taken in the captivity back to Babylonia, the same area these guys came from. Now, we're told in the book of Daniel that Daniel was the leader to the magicians and all the conjurers and, and the magi. They, they were in that group. He was their boss. He was a man of influence. So, in that area, tell me that the story of Daniel wasn't huge. He, he shared with those magicians and those people. He said, you know what? I was in the lion's den, and my God came. And you know what? He kept those mouths of those lions closed. They couldn't touch me because of my God. I shared with my granddaughter this week. I said, the same God that saved Daniel, the same God that saved Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, sweetheart, he's the same God that saved me from cancer and said I wouldn't die. Same God. I mean, think about it. Think about it. This is so important. We're to be living for the kingdom of God. 
right now, he's coming back. And we're to be sowing seeds in the kingdom of God. That's what we're seed sowers. I heard a preacher preach the other day, and I thought it was so interesting. He said, you've been given seed to sow, but some of you are saving your seeds in the bank. Some of you are wearing your seeds. Somebody, you are driving your seeds. You're not planting them in the kingdom. You're not planting them. And so I'm here to tell you today that these guys, they knew Daniel. They probably told the story to their grandchildren. Man, there was this man named Daniel, and we knew him. And he got thrown in the lion's den, and God shut the mouths of those lions. But they also knew Daniel chapter 9. They probably knew Isaiah and Numbers. They knew these Old Testament verses. They knew. I mean, these guys knew Daniel 9. In Daniel 9, Daniel tells us, I'll tell you the precise time Messiah is coming. He said, when you see King Artaxerxes give a command to rebuild the city, when you see that command come forth, number, this number of years, and at the end of that, that detailed timeline, Messiah will be here. So they were looking, going, okay, King Artaxerxes gave the command, we went forward, and right now is the time, it's the time. So they were looking. We have every signpost. I mean, look at the verse in Thessalonians. Do I have those? In Thessalonians. It says, while they're saying peace and safety, then this sudden destruction will come upon them suddenly, like labor pains upon a woman with child, and they'll not escape. But you, brethren, VBFers, is that VBFers? Does that sound okay? Okay. VBFers. <laughs> but you, brethren, are not in darkness. Hello! That that day would overtake you like a thief. For you're all sons of light and sons of day. We're not of night or of darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. But since we're of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith, love, and helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. Now here's the key. I love this. For whether we're awake or asleep, we live together with Him. When I'm asleep, I'll be in heaven living with Him in a glorious way. But God says, live in that same way on the earth right now. I'm telling you, I have learned to walk with God. And I'm here to teach you how to walk with God. God told me the other day, He spoke to me, and I know it was Him. He said, I've taught you to walk with me, so you'll teach the people how to walk with me in the same way you walk with me. Unbelievable. Say with me, unbelievable. Yeah, say that with me again. Unbelievable. Well, I'm trying to find my place here. Okay, I found it. Number two, they were called wise men for a reason because they were wise indeed. They thought ahead. Today, people live in the moment. They had, And real quickly, I'm out of time. The last one, they cause us to reflect on the real meaning of Christmas. The real meaning of Christmas. We need to understand the spirit in this first Christmas. First of all, these wise men, they traveled a long way to be with Jesus. Some people say it took them nine months to two years to get there. They, they sacrificed. Some of you have friends coming, and they're sacrificing a lot to be with you because they love you. Tell them how much it means to you. Hey, just the fact you came. Forget the presence. Just the fact you came. We've got to get meaning back into Christmas, the presence and everything else. Now, let me say something. Please, please, do me a favor. When I talk about friends coming to see you and everything, there's always a certain amount of people out there going, I don't have any friends, I don't have any family. My spouse divorced me, I don't have my children. This is a bad time of the year for a lot of people. How many will remember right now, mark it down, to pray for those people who have no one to spend Christmas with? Would you pray for every day? How many will do it? Every day, try to think and pray for them. And if you know of any, invite them to your house. I can't. Even fathom, there's some people among us that their spouses have divorced them and their heart dies during this time. Going, I'm not with my kids. So pray for them and lift them up. And if, if you're one of those people, our heart's with you, man. Tell us what we can do. Write me. What can we do to make it better? We care about you. But even with our gifts, I mean, these wise men picked something special that meant something to them. They brought special gifts. My granddaughter, oldest one, uh, came to me a while back. She said, Papa, it wasn't my birthday, Christmas. Day, so I was just shopping, and I saw, I know you love visors, and I got to get that from my Papa. Every time I see that, my heart melts. She thought of me. 
I mean, think about it at Christmas. What if you have meaning behind your gifts? You know, we we got to do something. The other day I asked my wife, how many, we got all these gifts for our grace. There's too many gifts. They just open one, throw it aside, open one, throw it aside, open one, throw it aside. This is getting ridiculous. I'm not, I don't want to poop on Christmas. Is that a word I can say in the pulpit? I just said it, okay. I don't want to do that, but we've got to get meaning back. I mean, think of someone coming to Christmas going, you know what? I'm out of work. I don't have much money, but man, I, I thought of you. And I know it's not much. It didn't cost me a lot, but I know you like this thing, and, and I just wanted you to know I love you. I mean, that would mean everything in the world. Just thought in it. So we got to bring Christ back some way. We've got to. Now, you can all do it in your own ways. I don't know how you want to do it, but let's, it's not too late. Let's get Christ back. Maybe set the kids down, tell the Christmas story before Christmas, or say, we're going to Christmas Eve service, and we're going to worship Lord before we do anything this weekend. We're going to get, worship Him first. We've got a great Christmas Eve service plan. Or maybe it's, I don't know what it will be. Maybe opening presents slower so, you know, we can look at them and go, man, that's really cool. We, we've got to do something to bring Christ back in Christmas. Now, with that said... I'm going to bring Josh out, and I'm going to show you two videos. You've got to see these. I'm so proud of EBF. Both of these things we're doing was birthed out of something I did myself. It was probably four years ago on Christmas. Christmas Eve came around, and all our family was other relatives. We didn't have anybody, Debbie and I didn't. I said, can you give me $500? And I just went and hung out at Walmart, and I paid for people's stuff. I paid for their stuff, and I just did it myself, and I was so blessed, more blessed to give than receive. Then probably eight years ago, we had a guy here, and I think he still has this going. He said, I have no real, I have nothing to do on Christmas. And he was a new convert. I felt bad. I said, I'll tell you what, me and you is going to start something called Phantom Santa. I think it's still going maybe. And so we went and got uh, Santa Claus suits, and we went out on Christmas Day and just handed out presents. I want to do something here, and I'm bringing Josh out. Josh, we did some, some ministry. This is a missional-minded church. And, and just talk to me about what we're doing. Well, uh, we... As a church, uh, as you know, growing up, uh, I've well, let me let me let me go back. And just say this. Lately, I've been thinking about the mission moving forward with BBF, and you know, eventually, um, I'm supposed to be leading it, and we'll see how that goes, right? But uh, uh, <laughs> I he told uh, me I could still be a part forever. So, <laughs> uh, and so, you know, we've been talking about the vision. We've been, we've been talking about you know where is this ship headed. Where are we going? If we're gonna, you know, if you if you have a ship and an anchor, if it's anchored in a bay and you pull up the anchors, where's the ship actually going? And, and it's always been about service. It's always been about Isaiah 58. Um, and if you go back and read Isaiah 58, that was the original vision of, of VBF. And it's about a people that get together and they're seeking God and they wanna find him, but they can't find him. They pray, he doesn't answer. They seek him, he doesn't, he's not there. And what changes is they start to serve, right? And, and, and basically the, the word is that if you serve and if you seek me and if you love people and if you give bread to the hungry and if you give people exactly what they need, then you'll see me and I will come and I will show up and I will do what I need to do uh, with you. And so um, that's always been our heart. And so it's really cool to see uh, the young people at our church starting to fulfill the roles that, uh, that you started when you were 25 years old. I told someone the other day, uh, I was bragging about you. I said, yeah, they asked about you. They, they knew of you, but they didn't know you. And that's always, that's always interesting. Have you guys ever talked to people about what church you go to and that you just don't know if they're a fan or if they hate us? <laughs> um, and, so, uh, and so they say, oh, your dad's Ron, huh? I said, yeah, that's my dad. And I was just bragging about uh, how, how he has been consistent and faithful to this ministry throughout all the years. And you guys, um, I, this is rare. I literally, uh, when he was 25 years old, it started in his living room with a, with a youth group that was just hungry. And, um, and that's, that's wild. It really is. So uh, hopefully Hollywood will well, make a movie, you. A, no, movie about nice. your life. That's, that's, that's my goal. nice. <laughs> I, I really, really appreciate that, Josh. Um, you know, just to show him the spirit of EBF, why don't we roll the first video? Ho, 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 ho! And this year, we are going out to various neighborhoods in our community and bless children. Due to your generosity, we are going to bless children. So you guys ready? Let's yeah. go! Woo! Come on, guys! This is exciting because uh, uh, I think we're, we live in a world where 
kids aren't grateful, these kids are grateful, mm -hmm. yeah. it's kind of nice. It's kind of refreshing. Now, Father God, I pray for this family during this Christmas season, Lord. I thank you, God, that we're able to come out here and be a blessing to them, but I pray, God, you give them your peace, your hope, and your salvation this Christmas season, and bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, God. I pray that you bless this family, Lord. I pray you show them how, this is a, a, a token of your love for them. This is how much you love them. That you, call, you asked us to come here, you directed us, you guided us to come here and bless the children and Yvonne. In Jesus' name. Amen. for this family. You just bless them this Christmas season with your hope, your joy, and your salvation, God. I thank you for this family, God, and I pray they have the best year ever. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. God bless you too as well. You guys have a good one. Hey guys, we just got back from some of the neighborhoods here in town, and it was amazing. You should have seen how many kids we're just happy, excited, and we got to pray for the families and give them the best gift ever, Jesus. So again, we can't say it that much. We thank you guys so much uh, because you guys were able to bless us with the toys to be able to bless those families. Guys? You know what was really neat? The kids were grateful. Yes. They were saying thank you, and that just kind of blew my mind. I go, it's still out there, and it just kind of renewed my faith in people again. You know, the joy that you saw in those kids' faces was just priceless. It was really, really fun. And we got to invite people to church and pray with them too. So thank you for this opportunity. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank you guys. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. So uh, not only did we were we able to give as a church to the neighborhoods, we also confused them a little bit about Santa Claus. They're going to go home and they're, they're going to tell their friends, so there's three uh, Santas and there's only one Mrs. Claus. <laughs> and then they're going to be in school and the teacher's going to say, what does Santa do? He drives a sleigh, he brings presents, and they're going to say, he prays with people. <laughs> Because for some of those kids, that was their first exposure to Santa. It's really cool. It's really neat. So thank you guys for being a part of this church yes. because that's the stuff that we're involved in. And in 2022, we're going to double down on that. Double down. Move down, moving that. And the second video is plus one. These people gave a dollar. And so what we did with your dollar, we gave, these are our three, youth, three of our youth pastors. And they each brought a, a youth person with them. We gave each team $2,000 to go out and pay for people's presents and fill their tanks up with gas. We did that. This From video the plus one that you guys gave that last you gave. week. So yeah. cool. Look at this video. Hey, VBF family, with your dollar and our plus one ministry, we were able to go out into Bakersfield and change the lives of so many families. We have a few stories we would like to share with you. You got a few stories? Oh, we got great stories. You got a few stories? You bet I do. All right. We're, we go to the uh, Arco gas station, and this girl, Tina, gets out of the car. And, you know, it's Bakersfield, so we're so used to seeing people ask for money at the gas station, but I come around the corner, and I think about it now, I come around the corner, and I'm like, hey, you know, we would like to buy your gas for you. And she, and she, yeah, and I scared her, and she like was just kind of staring at me. I said, it's real, you know, like I showed her the money. So we just want to buy your gas, and, and she said, okay, uh, thank you. And she, her eyes started watering a little bit, and I said, is there anything we can pray for for you? Um, we just want to buy your gas. This is, you know, we're, we don't want anything, but can we pray for for you? And, and she just shared that her daughter is getting ready to go into back surgery. And she, we got to pray right then and there for Tina and her daughter and the back surgery. And uh, we stayed in that parking lot waiting to bless other people with the finances. And we could kind of see Tina from across the way. And she's just wiping her eyes. She's on the phone 
phone with somebody just wiping her eyes. Um, so we got to see a really cool, impactful moment through the plus one in Tina's life. So we got to go to JCPenney and it was pretty cool. We actually ran into a few high schoolers that went with us um, to go into JCPenney kind of looking for people who needed some help. And there was this tug when we walked by the, um, the kind of close to the exit and there was a lady that she was in front of the line and we ended up waiting for her. And it was kind of weird. Someone even said, like, I think these dudes are following <laughs> yeah, us. Yeah, they did. Um, but they it was crazy. Yeah, stock. So we ended up staying there, and she went to the front, but she didn't get any of the gifts that she had, and she was leaving. And so we came to find out her card got declined. And so it was, it was a perfect opportunity for us to go and give her the money um, that you guys have donated. And in doing so, she said that it made her Christmas. And we got to pray for her, and that was a cool um, experience as well. Um, but her comment was, you see these things in movies, um, but never would we think that to happen to someone like me. And it was just a cool moment to show her that God can reach anyone. Okay, so you guys, we went to Target first, and we were trying to be real patient and listen to God. We took it so serious, you guys. And um, um, one of the stories that stands out at Target would probably be um, the Hispanic lady mm -hmm. who um, I, I can't remember her name. You remember her name? I don't remember her name. I can't. I can't get her name correct. But it was a great story. So we, I asked her, "Can I pay for your for your items?" And of course, she had no clue what I said. So we're we're kind of looking around, lost. And there's a guy right in line behind her who happens to be. Um, bilingual and he, he translates it, it for us and the best part was her face soon as he said however you say it in Spanish I don't know Spanish he said we're paying for our items and her face just lit up and she allowed us to buy her food but it gets greater you want to share the rest yeah so the cool part of it was the guy so we're at the self-checkout line and we buy her groceries or her um, gifts it was like maybe a hundred dollars and the guy that translated he pulls us aside and he says, hey, who are you guys with? And we said, we're with Valley Bible Fellowship. Um, and he said, how can I donate to your ministry? And we said, these are the things we've got going on. We have um, our angel tree. So we said, you can give toys. And he said, no, I'm from out of town. I want to give right now. And so Justin said, well, you can tithe at vbf.org. And before we left, he said, wait, 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 wait. Can you tell me exactly what to type it in and tithed on the spot just from watching us bless the other. He didn't even get the blessing. Yeah. And he was just watching the other lady get the blessing. And he said, I love what you guys are a part of and I want to be a part of it too. So at Ross, there were these two, these two uh, young gentlemen, Andrew and George. And, and I asked them like, oh, what are you guys shopping for? They said that they were shopping for their two sisters, Abby and Juliana. And, and I, I asked if, if I could bless them and help them out in any way possible. And then I also asked if I could pray and they let me pray. And he like, they were just so thankful. They're like, oh, mad respect, man. Uh, uh, thank you so much. Can I take a picture with you? I was like, yeah, of course, <laughs> that's okay. Uh, and I got to tell them that our church, God put it on, on our church's hearts to raise up money to go out and, and bless these families. Actually, both Alan and then those two boys both say like, hey, we can't take this from you. I said, you're not taking it from me. This is from God. This is from the church. He wants to bless you. He sees you. He's looking out for you. And this is from him. You actually ran into yeah, someone. Yeah, so I ran into someone at Walmart. Her name was Isabel. She was a grandma. She took care of her uh, son's kids for like 14 plus years. One of them just graduated. One of them is working at Amazon but she had just gotten off unemployment. They had cut her off, unfortunately, so now she was like struggling to get Christmas gifts. She had like two or three things in her cart, and then I, I told her like, hey, our church donated so much money, and we're here to bless you and help you out with your Christmas shopping, and she was just super excited, so she got like 15 other Christmas gifts for all of her grandkids, and her she was, face just lit up. Yeah, she, she was talking up. about God's timing and stuff because she thought it was pretty insane that her unemployment just expired and she was really panicked about how she's going to pay for her Christmas gifts this year. My favorite part, when we were checking out, I would look at the total and one of them, it was $170. And I look at the person and I said, because they're, they're trying to give us all the credit and we're saying, we didn't do anything. We gave 
one dollar just yeah. as everybody else did. We just get the fun part of going out and blessing people. But looking at the total and seeing $170 and I look at the people and I get to say, that's 170 people that are blessing you. So receive that blessing, not from just God, not from just us, but from 170 people that trust God so much that he knows that he's gonna use it. Um, so that was, that was a really cool part of it. Hey church, because of you guys, we were able to use that dollar and bless the people in our community. So thank you again for helping us spread that holiday cheer. Josh, there's so many pictures there. Those are three of your youth pastors. Look at the quality of men those are. And they have some of your young people with them. And everybody that gave a dollar last week, this was your money. This was your money. So what, any last thing you want to say to him? It's just so cool. Uh, Kinsey was talking about uh, the 170 total, and that was 170 people who gave a dollar. I think sometimes we think that the little things that we do don't matter, but they do. And especially when God is calling the church to do something together and we, and we all do our part, uh, even the most insignificant things can actually make a huge impact on people. And so whether it's an organized thing or not, I mean, if God speaks to you, just, uh, just ask yourself, why not? Why not do it, right? Why not jump out? Why not help somebody? Why not love somebody? Why not call somebody? This is a lonely time of the year, um, and there's a lot of lonely people, especially after COVID. And uh, so just reach out to people too. You know, that's There's huge. so many ministry opportunities. Remember, both things started with me doing this myself. Now the church is doing it. You can do this yourself. Go hang out at Walmart and pay for somebody's groceries. Pay for somebody's stuff. You can do this. You can go out on Christmas and buy a Santa suit and give a few gifts to some poor neighborhoods. You can do this. We're called to love our community. And, and if you have no money, you have the ability to still reach out to people, you do. right? You can you call do. them. You can encourage them. You can just send them a, a letter, a note, a handwritten card, a letter. You know, like that's, all that stuff is so huge. And so um, let's, let's double down on that in 2022. Yes. Let's, be the, be, let's be known as the church that yes. gives to its yes. community once again. And as you give, you get back. That's, right. that's the whole idea. So let me pray with you now. If you don't know the Lord as your Savior, just pray this prayer with me right now. I'm going to ask everybody to pray with me. Everybody in the house, just repeat after me. Say, Lord God, I need you in my life. Today I ask you to send the Holy Spirit and live inside of me and give me the strength I need to start serving God. Lord, I want to be your kid. And starting today, I'm going to believe in faith that the Holy Spirit now lives in me because I've asked. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. We're going to end in a couple songs, and Josh will dismiss you. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message has ministered to your heart. If you don't already have a church you call home, we invite you to join us at Valley Bible Fellowship for worship, Bible study, fellowship, and more. We're at 2300 East Brundage Lane in Bakersfield, California, near Mount Vernon and Freeway 58. Reach us by phone at 661-325-2251 or visit our website at vbf.org. Here is our King, here is our love.